Can I do one more plug? Well, two more plugs, really. Uh, one is tonight for the prayer meeting. I, I feel fit very challenged that we are yet to see a church devoted to prayer. Acts 2.42. And now you're going, that's really uncomfortable. I say this, tough, it really is uncomfortable, but actually the Bible tells us that we should be a people devoted to prayer. So you don't have an excuse. Be at the prayer meeting tonight. That's none of grace, it's all of law, but actually I believe that when we pray, we will be blessed. um, Secondly, um, if you want to uh, move in the prophetic and be stirred by the prophetic, you should be in Shrewsbury on Thursday. You should get it into... uh, Ginny Bergen is uh, an outstanding lady with an outstanding gift. And I was with her for two days uh, last week, uh, sat by her once in a meeting, never sit by the prophet because you always feel they're looking at you. And uh, just very stirred, just watching her uh, move in the prophetic. I would say amongst New Frontiers, there are not many with the level of gifting that she has. And I mean that with all sincerity in regard to individuals, the way that she prophesies, uh, right the way through to national issues. So get yourself there, because we as a church need to be shaped by the prophetic. We don't need to be just doing stuff, we need to be shaped because God speaks. Okay, I should have a slide somewhere. That's confused that you... There we go. That's what we're looking at. Uh, This morning we're going to look at the subject of uh, spiritual uh, gifts. And uh, Paul begins uh, this most famous chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 by saying, Now concerning uh, spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. And Paul wants us not to be just uninformed in regard to spiritual gifts, but he wants us to be informed because of the significance of spiritual gifts in church life. He doesn't want to just say, look, look, guys, you know, let's just work out how we do this. No, he, he wants us to be moving in them because he knows what can happen when the spirit moves. You could interchange the words spiritual gifts with the words the things of the spirit. He actually is using a broader term and a wider term uh, than often that we do in these passages, because what we do is that we get down and we argue sometimes over the minutiae. And he's basically saying, no, I, I, I want you to be uninformed about the way the Spirit moves. That's what I want you to get into. This is the way that the Spirit moves in the church, the things of the Spirit. And I actually prefer that than spiritual gifts, because we sort of get into the little bits and the bobs, which actually, for the last week or two, I've been denying that I was going to do the specifics. And people have said to me, Nigel's going to speak on spiritual gifts. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to try and mention anything specific. But in the next verses, in in 1 Corinthians 12, he will compare and contrast the things of the Spirit with pagan worship and pagan idols. And it's an interesting thing, because what he's basically, his argument is, is that you have worshipped pagan idols, and you have seen them do extraordinary things. They have shaped your lives, the way that you have lived, and he's basically saying, this is the real stuff, the real McCoy, these things should shape your lives. That's how... He wants us to see. And so much does he believe that they will shape our lives that he later on goes on to explain that the product is, and we'll come back to this, that the church is built up. It becomes mature, as it says in Ephesians. It is edified. It is comforted. I love the sense of the Spirit this morning. I believe that he was comforting some people this morning. This is what it's about, guys. It is. The Spirit was touching people, just bringing a gentle sense of comfort. What you didn't know uh, when Martin brought those scriptures was that probably this week, Joe was, lick- was re- thinking, now what songs do, do I need to bring this morning? And suddenly, the Spirit is at work. 
probably in a pharmacy somewhere, spirits at work, and over here at home. And was it extraordinary that, that, that scripture and, and song came together? That's the things of the spirit, bringing comfort. I love the next part of it. It says that unbelievers will fall on their faces saying that God is truly amongst you. Looking forward to that one. Looking forward to the sense of the Spirit in our meetings, so strong, so powerful, so we're thinking, oh, now where do we go with this one? The unbelievers come in and say, God is amongst you. It is very important, therefore, that we settle this in our hearts. And we do it. So the sermon is about being uninformed, hopefully practical, I don't know. I guess I will repeat myself because I'm a Midlander. Uh, but let's start off first with some of the scriptures you know. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verses 8 to 10, it says, For one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of those tongues. Romans chapter 12 verses 6 to 8. Having gifts that what differ, how, according to the grace given to us, let us what? Use them. Use them. Let us use them. So, if it's prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If it's service, in our serving. The one who teaches, in his teaching. The one who exhorts, in his exhortation. The one who contributes, in generosity. The one who leads, with zeal. It's true, isn't it? No dopey leaders in the kingdom of God. With zeal. The one who acts, one who does acts of mercy. How? With cheerfulness. 1 Peter 4 verses 10 and 11. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as the one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves as one serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory, dominion, power forever and ever. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. And he gave, that's the ascended Christ, gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds and teachers to what? Equip the church for works of ministry. How does that, what does that look like? For the building up of the body of Christ. Those are the famous passages in regard to gifts of the Spirit. There are a few others. Hospitality is a gift. It's not in that list, but it is genuinely God-given and genuinely important and a genuine blessing for the people giving hospitality because you may entertain angels. Yeah? And I have to say, we over the years of ministering into different churches have had some angels in our house. They have been more um, a blessing to us than we have been. There have been some problems, but we've had some angels. So here we go. Let's track through this a little bit. Certain basics that you need to be in place if you want to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Firstly, I think this is true, you need to be born again. Amen? Good. (laughs) We just clear that up from the beginning. We don't want any pagan worship in here. Okay? You need to be born again. The reason I say that is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul is talking about spiritual gifts. He starts off by using the word brothers. And there's a little bit of argument over that because, and we want to clear that up this morning. Who are the brothers then? Well, it's not the brothers that speak in tongues and prophesy because we know there's Anna 
in the Bible and there's Philip's four daughters who prophesied. So what are the brothers then? Well, in all these things, when you're looking at the Bible, in terms of those sort of things, you have to look at it in, in the big picture. And the big picture is this, that brothers is a very familiar word that Paul uses. And he's using the language that means my spiritual family. That's what he's using. Mark the community of believers. He, that's the, what he's doing. So it's something that comes to us after we're born again. Secondly, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. These are gifts of the Holy Spirit. And you will be able to move in them more and move in them more effectively the more you are filled. It's one of those things that comes. It is a product of being filled. So that's why that we need to be uh, being responsive in regard to being filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4, that a variety of gifts, but it is from the same Spirit. So it stands to reason that the fuller you are of Him, the more that you will be aware of your gift and the more that you will be sensitive to what God says. Thirdly, you need to acquire some knowledge about these gifts. You need to get into them. Remember Paul says, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, saying, I do not want you to be uninformed. Well, get yourself informed. Go, come and ask me, what book should I buy? Can I recommend God's empowering presence, Gordon Fee? It's huge. It is magnificent. It is a book written from the perspective of the Holy Spirit in regard to the Gospels and the New Testament. It sort of misses bits out because it wants you to see the extraordinary work of the Spirit. And it fires you up because what you read is you go, no, this is what we should be like. So next week, I want you to bring your Bible. I want you to bring Gordon Fee's Empowering uh, Presence you can go to the bookshop in Manor. Phil and I will get on the phone, see whether we can sort a discount. He will waver slightly because being reformed and not charismatic, he, he will go mad if there's 20, but uh, it'll be a good thing for him to cope with. So there you go. Uh, we can do that. The other one, fourthly, you need to act in regard to the gifts in faith. They are all issues of faith. If I just say to you, how many of you felt that sort of sense of, mm, mm, and then you've just sat there and thought, you know, mm, mm, or even that sort of thing where you've gone, I was just thinking this when they went and did it. And you go, oh, well, it's all right because they did it. No, it wasn't all right. You should have done it because God's gracious. If you won't do it, he'll go, okay, I will find somebody that will because I want to communicate. It takes faith. You are going to look like a plonker. You're going to stand out there and you might only have one word and it might be lobster. I've just been having this word, lobster. And you think, what am I going to do with this word called lobster? It's going to take extraordinary faith for you to get out of your seat, to come to the front, to speak to Jonathan Burroughs and say, I think God is stirring me in regard to this. You are not going to do it sitting there in your seat. You've got to be, you've got to get out of the boat, get onto water. It is going to be scary. It just is. How do we know that? Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone amongst you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think in sober judgment, each according to the measure of what faith that God has assigned. You're going to have to step out in faith. I'd rather have you step out in faith, actually, and us get us wrong than, than not at all. I'd rather cope with the mess than the silence. That's my view. But I also want to challenge you, because I believe there's a biblical view of wasting and using. That actually we can not use what God has given us. So in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 12, it says... For the one who has, more will be given, and he will have uh, an abundance. 
but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. That's a challenge. Matthew chapter 25, verse 29. For everyone who has, will, more will be given, and he will have in abundance. But the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. The implication is this, the more that you use your spiritual gifts, the more you will mature, the more you will strengthen, the more you will grow, the more the church will be blessed. You've got to start, guys. You really have got to start. So, having said that, uh, love is always the motive for using your gifts. Can I just say this, that you know, over the years, Callie and I have had to deal with the issue of my ministry so many times. And some of us have got wounded because, you know, Phil or Steve or whatever has come up and said, look, you're not sure about that. Look, we, 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 we don't know. We're sinful leaders, guys. You know, when we come and weigh things, people get so wounded, so I have this word. And they bring this word and, and you go, well, you know, I'm just not sure. And you feel the blood leaking on the floor as they go back to the seat. It's like the walk of shame. It's almost as if, and then what happens is for nine weeks afterwards, they do not contribute. I am not ever contributing again. It's like this. And I think Paul says to that, come on, guys, our motive is wrong. If our motive is about me and it's about my ministry, he doesn't want us to even bother. It's not about elevating us. It's not about us looking good. It's not about our ministry. Because sandwiched between those great chapters uh, is uh, chapter 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 is 1 Corinthians 13, which is all about love. And Paul explains. He says, look, you know, I will gain nothing. Meaning that if we move in the spiritual gifts and it is about us and about our significance, we will, get, we will gain nothing. And he runs the two together, doesn't he? He says, I want you to pursue love and earnestly pursue spiritual <laughs> gifts. And it's really interesting that we have to get this into our mind. This gift, these gifts, this gift that God has given us, those sort of things are because we love people. That's why. We love people so much. We want them to be blessed. We want them to be changed. We want them to be equipped. That's why we, our motive is not about us. It is about somebody else. It's not about profile or, or anything like It is about the other people. That's what it's all about. So I want to say this, for the sake of the other people, for the sake of a people that loves other people, can you know this, that God has made you unique? The body needs you. Don't hide your light under a bushel. Go for it, but go for it because you love people that you're, you have a sense of compassion for them. Keep moving on. They are gifts of God's lavish grace. Paul says that we are saved by grace, but that isn't the end of it. It's part of his grace is that he wants to give gifts to the church that, that come as a gift of his kindness and his mercy and his love to the church. It's like sort of say, if we just say this, okay, okay, you've been saved, that's it then. That's it then. You just sort of hang on in there till you get to heaven. No, God says, you've been saved by grace. It's, been a, it's a wonderful act of mercy. And by the way, that's the way that it starts. And I'm going to continue doing it. I'm going to keep pouring out my, my grace upon you. That's why the Bible often talks about grace upon grace. It's a journey of grace. And as part of that grace, he gives extraordinary gifts to the church. They're from him, from his kindness. 
So Romans chapter 12, verse 6 says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them. Why are we withholding the kindness of God? It's quite a statement, that, isn't it? Why are we resisting God's compassion and love and mercy to a people? Because I'm a little bit self-conscious. Get over it. God wants to bless. (laughs) Come on. See, salvation and spiritual gifts are both a work of grace. And the reason is with our salvation being a work of grace and, and gifts being a work of grace is that what God wants to do is that he wants to get the glory. You want to build a ministry, he wants to get the glory. And we must trust God's grace for the gifts and the need to help each other. We must do it. I want you to consider the principle that runs through the whole of the Bible. It's just a very simple principle. It's working in our own strength magnifies us and shows actually that we have too high a view of ourselves that we can do it and it gets the glory. But working in the strength that God supplies, moving out in faith, trusting him actually magnifies him gives us a sober, dependent view of ourselves and God gets the glory. God gets the glory. 1 Peter verse 11. Again, we read it earlier. Whoever serves is to do so as one serving what? By the strength of God and and in which God supplies. So that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs glory and dominion forever and ever. The principle is that we come to what we do, not with our own strength, but in a sense of being utterly dependent on God, trusting him to use us, and for the ultimate reason of bringing God the glory. So it isn't about, well, Tim... I gave a prophecy. Seven people, because that's a holy number, spoke to me afterwards. Seven people. You had eight. (laughs) Do you know, you should turn it round. With all eight, we should say this is about God's glory. It's about God's glory. It's not about numbers or recognition. I'd rather be a doorkeeper God builds his church through doorkeeper attitudes in regard to gifts this is what he does this is what he does Romans 12 verse 3 the first thing that Paul does is call attention on what the grace of God he doesn't call attention to his apostolic gift he says this for through the grace given me I say to everyone amongst you not to think more highly of himself, uh, of himself than he ought. He didn't say this. He didn't, ring, he didn't ring him up and say, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. <coughs> Your great Apostle. Apostle to these churches, these amount of people. Tim, stop thinking of yourself more highly. He said, God, God has poured grace upon grace upon grace on me. I am a recipient of the grace of God. He's saying, in other words... I could easily begin to think of myself apart from one thing, grace. It's all about grace. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. Would you like to do it? No. <laughs> uh, without going into it, it's the bottom job, okay? It's the bottom job. That we'll do it, we'll keep it at that one, it's simple. I'd rather, be, I'd rather be the bottom job in the house of the Lord, in the presence of God, than the top job. God blesses, okay? Is that all right? Okay. That was a surprise. Okay, verse 6 in Romans. Uh, Since we have gifts according to what? The grace given to us. Verse 3, according to the grace given to us. The grace given to us. God wants to bestow grace upon us it's extraordinary kindness 
upon us so that he gets the glory. I was with Ginny uh, this week and uh, sitting down and uh, I was uh, in, a, in a room and uh, Jeremy uh, Simpkins had a word. And, he, and the word was something like this. I feel that God wants to do corporate and individual work. He said, I, I feel the corporate work is tomorrow and I feel the independent work is today. And, and he said, so uh, I, I'm going to trust that there will be very intimate individual words now. And I thought, go on then. <laughs> and I sat there and Ginny stood up and she said, I have been waiting for that phrase. Independence and corporate. And she said, I have these words that God wants to bring. And you were in, a, in the sense of, I am amongst God moving. It was an extraordinary moment. And if anybody would like to go and meet Ginny, you will actually find that there is, there will be, there's not an atom in her. You will find this when you meet her uh, next week, where, where she wants to bring glory to herself. And she sort of bought these words. She then asked people to minister to them, and we were there for two hours. Such was the level. And at the end of it, Jer- Jeremy said, he just said this. He said, guys, he said, God is amongst us. It is about God. Always about God. It's not about you. Spiritual gifts are God giving of himself to the people through people. In 1 Corinthians 12, Paul stressed, he said, look, each of us has a gift from God and they are to be used for the good of the body. The body, us, the church, on earth. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, to each is given to the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Ephesians 4, 12, uh, to equip the saints uh, for works of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. <coughs> we don't have the body of Christ any longer with us. The ascended Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will return in full bodily armour one day and call his people to be, by, to be with him. He will come on a white horse and every eye will see and every tongue confess that he's Lord. It'll be a glorious moment. But we don't have the body. Yeah, we do. We are his body. We are it. We are Jesus' body on earth. What should happen is that people should look at us and they should be able to see the body of Christ. This is the body. We are the body of Christ. That's the extraordinary thing. And what has, what has Jesus done? By his grace, by his love, by his mercy, he has given out gifts that represent himself to the people in the church so that we can be his body. Now we're fallen and it will be fallen. So we prophesy in part, it tells us it will be fallen. But together we can represent Jesus on earth. And there are an amazing array of gifts in regard to who Jesus is. But it's an incredible sense. I find this amazing that Jesus would want to trust us with his kingdom. Don't you? But sometimes, guys, we don't look like him. We just don't. We do need to wake up a little bit. I was thinking this morning when we were singing, holy, holy, holy. And I was thinking, not much, not much, not much. In regard to me, I hope you were there with that. I was thinking, no, come on. We have got to be this holy nature of Jesus together. Pure, holy people. There's some wonderful things. We believe here as part of New Frontiers in Apostles But Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1 tells us that Jesus is the great apostle. We believe in the prophetic gift. That's why we've got a workshop on Thursday because we want to stir it amongst us. But Matthew chapter 13, 57 
uh, tells us that he's the great prophet, Jesus. He tells us in Luke chapter 19 that he's the great evangelist. He tells us in John chapter 10 that he's the great shepherd of the sheep. And he entrusts that gift to people. It says in Matthew chapter 23 that he's the great teacher. It says in Colossians chapter 1 he's a magnificent leader. It says in Romans chapter 15 that he's our best encourager. It says just by the whole Bible that he's a better administrator than Stephen Hawkins or Eric Roy. Who's Eric Roy? You'll find out when he comes to Borderlands. He organizes the whole thing. It just, we just, I mean, look at it. Jesus is involved in creation. Can you imagine giving that to Steve Hawkins? Huh? What on earth would it look like? It just don't bear thinking about it, does it? We'll be driving around in battered old green mercs, wouldn't we, for a start? But it just, I mean, how, what a magnificent, can you imagine, not only with faith, but the administration of feeding 5,000? Look, we, we get it wrong on a bring and share. Kelly and I always panic at bring and shares because we think that you, you, are never going to bring enough. So we're lying there the night before thinking, there's never going to be enough food. There's not going to be enough food. There's never going to be enough food. No, no, no. Then we have this thing where we go, Saturday, our nerve breaks. And we go down, don't mention anything that I've said about Steve Hawking. <laughs> we go, you've been listening to it. And, and then, so the Saturday, we're in Sainsbury's going, they won't put this, we won't be this, we won't look for that. And you look, and we do this, and we come, and it's always there. We go, oh no! And then, and then you look at it, and you think, what about the feeding of the five thousand? Baskets over! What an administrator! And he gives gifts of administration to the church. You think about, look, I've got to go through this quick now. I'm going to preach everything. The great mercy giver, Matthew chapter nine. The great servant. He is the servant. Mark chapter ten. What did he come to serve? How do you find a leader? Serve. That's what you do. Leaders serve. Not about platform. It's about serving. Always, always serving. Guys, you want to be a pastor? Serve. That's how you do it. Oh, don't you need to go to theologically seminary? And do you not need to know Greek and Hebrew? Yes, but you serve. You serve. The Son of Man came, don't preach. Source of all knowledge, keep going. Colossians, all knowledge, words of knowledge. Source of all wisdom, Colossians 2. Discerner of spirits, Hebrews chapter 4. Author of faith, Hebrews chapter 12. Miracles, John 10. Healer, 9. And he, then he says, what I would like you to do is represent me on earth. Come on! What a privilege! The Son of God says, I want to give you gifts so that you represent me. So, you have to earnestly desire it. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, Pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. I actually believe, in regard to this, there's not a want and we need to deal with it in our own spirits. You've got to want. I want this. Not for me, but for the person sitting next to you. I want. The verse is a link between what's gone before and what's to follow. What went before, an abuse of the gift of tongues. That's why Paul says, pursue love. But your gift is given to people in Jesus. What's to follow? Spiritually, spiritual gifts. Those you must earnestly desire. Do you earnestly desire? Be passionate about learning what your gifts are and putting them into practice. Be open to what God might want to do with you in the context of any meeting. Be eager. Be Prepared. I've, I've uh, 
had a friend of mine for many years, Richard uh, Miller. It's Richard that's uh, marrying uh, Tim and uh, Rachel. A little bit scared because he's got a prophetic ministry. I have loved Richard's integrity because over the years, he, he hears from the Lord, he writes them down in his book, and he prays over them as to when he should bring them. And he'll come to me sometimes in the wider New Frontiers meeting and he'll open his little book that he's got and, and I'll look at the date and I'll think, it's truth, that was last year. And it's true, isn't it? Because what we do is we, we feel a little buzz and we think, this is the one. We run and they go, well, that didn't work. Richard so earnestly desires spiritual gifts to bless people to do it in love that he receives what he's got he prays over it uh, and he's faithful in learning about them i am impressed with the man and if you're rich listening to it richard i just am i just am rich you are very faithful that's the way (laughs) it's just extraordinary but we have to want to love the church do i want to love the church do i want to see it built up do i want to see it comforted do i want to see it edified do i want to see it grow do i love people earnestly desire your earnestly desire is not about you it's always about the other person How much do you love? Then I'll pursue this. On the other hand, you need to hold them loosely. Because this is another one. What I found is just this, that often with with gifts, whatever it is, is that security and identity can come through the gift. We briefly mentioned that earlier. We're not going to go back there again. But actually, this is not about the gift that you have. It's about the giver of the gift. And I think you have to hold them loosely really loosely and it's important to be able to allow yourself uh, to uh, have a good understanding of yourself but it's also important to let other people recognize and confirm your gift because actually you might think that you're gifted and actually everybody wanders up and they go oh no it's them again yeah we have to hold them loosely They are gifts from God. They are not gifts that you have. They are from him. And connected to that, you can can test yourself. You'll actually feel fulfilled and happy using your gift because it's what God made you to do. I want to share something with you from my early days when I uh, I, uh, began uh, leading churches. Uh, and that was that, that when I started to preach, the way that it worked was that my, the guy that I was working with basically gave me the text, I took the text, and I prepared the sermon. He then re-prepared it and gave it to me to preach. I mucked it up. I then went into his office and he said to me, you mucked it up. And it went on like this into a cycle. So eventually, I did the only thing that my elders know, this is my, my Stephen, is that it all went fizzing out the top of my head. I just sort of just, he, he said, we're going to sit down. And I went, we're not ever sitting down like this ever again. <coughs> I said, because basically what is happening is I'm preaching your sermon. If you want to preach your sermon, preach it. But if I'm going to learn to preach, I've got to preach what God is going to. Do you know the first time that I preached me, I was very happy. There was a sense of contentment. There was a sense of peace that came upon me. When I was was doing, I I was reproducing his gift, I was just all over the place. And I've been very content to do that. People say to me, you know, well, what are you, Nigel? And that sort of stuff. And I'll say things like, I am not a great teacher. I am a preacher. I want to get under your skin. That's what I want to do. That's what I feel God's called me to. I want to rattle you. I want to make you cry. I want to make you laugh. I want you to come with me on a journey. I know that's what God's called me to. What do I know that God's called me to? I know that God's called me to build. I know that he's called me to lead. Am I a great long-term pastor? No. If you come and ask me and say, would you pastor me for the next three years? I will die. I would rather than... 
please, understand. it's not my gift. But I know people that love doing that stuff. That will just make the date in their diary and they'll do all that stuff and that sort of stuff. You can tell whether you are operating well in your gift, whether there is a sense of peace with it. So there we go. Having said that, all spiritual gifts need to be accountable to leadership. 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says, Paul says, this is the apostle, that gifts should be used decently and in order. He's talking to the church. Paul is saying, woo-woo-woo-woo here. And that's what Corinthians actually is all about. It's woo-woo-woo-woo. Isn't it? If you think about it, that's all he's doing. He's saying, way, come on. I don't know what other words to call it. It's just, whoa, decently in order. And, and what often is that we get people, don't we, with gifts, and they cannot submit it to leadership. Can't do it. It comes firing out and shooting out there and there's not an accountability to it. Every gift and ministry is done in the context of church which has a context of leadership within it. That's the way that God has designed it um, to be. And every gift, therefore, even this one, Paul's going, look, you, you guys, in that church, you are under my authority. Therefore, come on, decently in order. You can't imagine that, can you? you mean, me coming up to somebody who gave a gift and they go, no, decently in order. But this is what the Apostle Paul, and we mustn't be afraid because the Apostle Paul's wanting the best for the church. So in 1 Corinthians 14, 37, he said, if anyone thinks he's a prophet or spiritual, have you met them? If anyone thinks he's a prophet or spiritual, <laughs> uh, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you, so I am writing to you, are a command from the Lord. I want you to, if you are actually spiritual, respond to my instruction. Then he said this, here's an interesting point. If anyone doesn't recognize this, he is not to be recognized. So don't let spiritual gifts just be in the context of the person. It's in the context of church. Because we have in the church pastors. And they will need to pastor through these things. That's their jobs. Can I just nail this one? All the gifts are equally spiritual. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 says that uh, one part of the body should not feel inferior. That means that some should not be superior to the other parts. That's what Paul says. And I think sometimes we can have these sort of things where, you know, I'm on the spiritual track. I do the prophecy. Don't do the doorkeeping bit. Don't serve. I just come, deliver my little prophecy, whack it into the church, go. No, no. No, 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 no. Not ever. Actually, it's a real test with your prophetic gift. Can you serve? Can you? And I think it's really interesting. But I want to say this. The people serving you coffee today are spiritual people. And it is a real gift to do that well. And what do I love? I love the initiative where people turn up week in, week out, and they've baked you a cake. It's not prophecy, is it? It's not tongues, but boy, is it a gift. And it is deeply spiritual. How is it? Because they love you. They love you so much that before Sunday, they're in the kitchen baking something for you. And do you know what? Some of those guys that serve you and have made that cake, they probably won't get a bit themselves. And I want to honour them. Because it's all spiritual, guys. Everything is from God to God, and it's wonderful. And I love those. And we shouldn't separate it. We shouldn't just look at you. Shouldn't look at me and think he's got the top job. Actually, I got the bum job. I could have been an engineer. Why am I doing this? It is true. You want to be in this job? Kelly and I were just talking. And I was telling her this morning that I was up at four o'clock because I was worrying. I read through my sermon this morning because I was worried, okay? Four o'clock. What were you doing? Snoring. I was worrying, okay? 
Where were you? Well, I know the guys that came back from Australia. You were awake. I was with, it was sympathy. That was, but I was, I was worrying. Then in my worry, I went through a list of things that some people have said to me about the church. That's what I did. And I thought, I, I, you just think, what do you do in this job? Well, you get people that tell you how to do your job. Usually by people that have never done your job. It's like going to John Snelling as a doctor and saying, I'm an engineer, I've got me pliers. Let me loose. Vasectomies. Aros. Here it is. And they're well-oiled. It's just madness, isn't it? I mean, you just wouldn't. But actually, do you know, you know that's what happens? And you think, so you, know, you think this is the top job? It ain't. I actually get more complaints than you get. <laughs> Nobody's going to complain now, are they? It's true. So all gifts are spiritual. Having said that, where are we? Uh, we? We need to draw it to a close. Each person and gift will vary in capacity and context. Do you know some people are really happy operating in small groups? And I want to honour them. Some people are great in prayer meetings. That's why I love our prayer meetings. Because I just love when people just move. I just I plug best meeting, prayer meeting. Anyway, having said that, it, it, it operates in a capacity thing. It says in Romans 12, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if it's prophecy in proportion to our faith. Now some people are great on a one-to-one basis. Opening the scripture examining it with people. Some are great in a small group. Some are great up front. Some are great with thousands. I, I, I had one of those moments. I'd never um, spoken for a long while. Do you remember last year at Borderlands, it was the first time I'd spoken to 700 uh, before, um, for a long, long time. I had spoken to hundreds and hundreds before. In fact, I've spoken to 2,000 before. That's my, uh, that's my top rank number. And, but I've been here for the last of how many years and spoken to Callie on her own in the kitchen. And so, uh, and, but it does, it does sort of, it, we need to know that some people are really happy. Why was, why was, why was I going on about that? Oh, the reason I was going on about that is that I don't know whether any of you ever gets nervous, but I was in a caravan with Chris. And you've got to imagine that I've got my notes out and I'm going for it. You don't know this because you're all having cake and tea and coffee and relaxing at Bourdain's. And I am preaching my sermon to the caravan. <laughs> uh, you know, Repent, be baptised, be straight, God. And Chris comes in. Chris is sober-minded, constructive. And he goes, and he just walks in and he goes, what are you doing? And I hadn't got the thing to say, Chris, I've, I can't. And, and, it is, and it is really true, because I think some of us need to stretch. And, it, and in regard to the gifting that God has given us, and some of us need to be really settled in our heart that God has called us to do one-to-one, to do 12. That's what the Jethro thing is and Moses if you read that in the altar, that's what it is. Look, some, some 12, some 100, some, some, and it's the way that it is, guys. The way that it, it is. And be happy where you work best. And how do you know it? Contentment and peace are the things. I would love gifted people that would serve in small groups. Prophesy, pray for people, stir the small group. You know, that's what we're, I'd love people to you know, just ring someone, coming round to pray for you, got a word for you, feel this, magnificent. We need to honour gifting at all levels. It mustn't just be the queue of prophecies in the big meeting. It must be all levels. All spiritual, all levels are glorifying to God. Well, I've got one. Okay, how will I know what my gifts are? Well, yours are not mine because I need a job. Okay, let's just clear that one up. <clears throat> okay, so you're not having mine unless I die. Okay. Don't kill me. That's wrong, <laughs> that thought. Okay. Just move on. How do you know what your gift is? 
I, I think something like this. I think you should begin first with a, a desire and it's general. I, I, I want whatever you will give to me, Lord. Be open-hearted. Be general. I think the other thing is serve. Serve. Put out chairs. Be on the welcome team. Serve coffee. Serve. So I think, you know, be, be open to anything. Serve. When you do those things, your gifts become more evident. If you are waiting for a, a whoopee encounter and that you will come in at level 73 in the spiritual level of giftedness, it doesn't work like that. It's back to the doorkeeper thing, isn't it? Serve. I, what I, what's an extraordinary thing? Um, listening to PJ Smythe, who, who leads God First Church in Johannesburg, when somebody asked him about how he became what he did, he said, I stumbled into it. It's generally the way, you know. You just stumble into it. You know, and, and it is. You know, I didn't set out in life thinking, I uh, you know, didn't come out of the womb thinking, yes, lead churches. It, it just wasn't like that. I didn't set out in when I was 16 and 17 thinking, no, lead churches. I actually set out in my original church by saying that I, would, I was prepared to be a deacon and my job was the building. Get it decorated, get it cleaned. That was my job. I hadn't got a clue. And it was through that that God began to speak to me evangelistically. And it's through actually that that God, is in this 800-seater church with 30 people in it, that God began to speak to me about the church. He kept saying to me, it, shouldn't look, it doesn't look like this, Nigel. And I was going, well, it does, doesn't it? It's got a pulpit and four pillows and a gallery. Isn't this? No. And he just began to shape me because I'd said I'd paint the church. So be eager. Serve. You will discover. Be, go for the general thing. Find yourself somebody that is really honest and not that person that you are a friend with that will just say, your gift was so wonderful and I was so blessed by it. <laughs> if that's what they do, ditch them. Find somebody in the church that will be really honest with you. Go to them and say, what do you think my gifting is? Then grab the chair and allow them to minister to you. Do it. And it's really true, because we do that, don't we? We find somebody that will go, Lovely sermon, Pastor. <laughs> it's true. The other thing is, it's quite simple. You will have fruit. There will be fruit in your life, in, in people's lives. It's just simple, isn't it? There's fruit with the gift. Sorry. That's the gift of sneezing. Okay, to, to conclude. Pardon? I have that gift. Yes. Yeah, I, I, well, I get to seven and then I get, I get into single beds at that point. I'm allowed seven sneezes at night. Uh, if I get to eight, I'm out. Why am I telling you that? I'm in the garage at eight. Callie doesn't appreciate my gift. The other week, I just, I just, the other week, I can't remember who it was. Some of these guys, these young guys, they came to me and they said, why do you say these things in sermons? They're irrelevant. <laughs> and I would say to them, that's the reason that I say it, just to wake you up a little bit. That sort of thing. Now you're all thinking, they're all going, will you? If so I'm in your room tonight. So, right. Okay. How do we do this? Okay, how do we do this? I want to just do th finish theologically and then challenge us. Here's the theological challenge. Timothy 2, 1, verse 6. We often hear this. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. Let's be controversial. This verse is often referred to as, that, as Timothy's fan into flame your ministry. And I have seen this so many times. So, you know, people come up to people and we go, fan it into flame, Lord, fan it into flame. And, and you, you think, sorry, Tim, let's, needs an, have we got a doctor? He needs head brace. Or a healer, the gift of healing. Anyway, but we do, and I've seen it so many times. And, and I don't know whether you're like me, but when I hear those sort of things, I have that sort of theological moment that I go, I, I, God's grace has got to come here, because this is not actually what it is. So I, I want to take you through this. 
so that I can take you to another verse. And that is this, that I don't agree with that. Just because I've broken his neck. But it, it says, this is a gift of God that is in him. And Paul, on many occasions, has referred, even in this, even in this um, book, in this letter, is referred to the Holy Spirit as being given by God. So, in, in the same vein, later on in verse 7, he says, For God gave us, gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. If you like, the spirit is the gift of the gifts. Yeah? the product of the given spirit. If you look at the imagery, nowhere in scripture are the gifts described as fire. But if you look in scripture, the Holy Spirit is described as fire. Fan into flame. At the end of the passage, Paul also says, in verse 14, the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, God the good deposit entrusted to you. Fun it into flame. Guard it. It's a gift. Ignite it. See, if you ignite the Spirit, you ignite the effects of the Spirit. That's the simple line of it. Paul emph- Paul's emphasis of the Spirit of God is that it's a gift. It's a resource to everything in every ministry. The Spirit is the enabler It's the Spirit of God that's the empowerer of those things. And often what we do is that we have a response at this point and we go, okay, let's ask God to give us gifts. God's gracious. Actually, the gifts will come as we're filled with the Spirit. What we need to do is ask God to fan into flame the gift of God that is in you. And that's what I'm going to pray. Because I think... There's a need first to fan that into flame. The Spirit of God, fan it into flame. The gifts will come because they're an overflow of the work of God. Paul says this, in the letter of James, uh, you do not have because you do not ask. He also says this uh, um, the, in the Gospels, not Paul doesn't, but <laughs> uh, he says, I tell, you, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and anyone who seeks finds, and anyone who knocks it will be open. What father amongst you will, uh, uh, if his son asks for a fish, will instead, uh, instead of a fish, will give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If then you who are evil know how to good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give what? The Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So would the musicians like to come back? And I'm going to pray a simple prayer. Would you like to stand? <coughs> See, just before you get the, the spiritual cake, okay? Why don't we close our eyes? And lift our hands to God. And why don't we, in our hearts, settle right now an an earnestness, a want. (laughs) That sort of sense of, I, I want all that I can have from you. Now there is also a sense in which many of you in this room have known the presence of God, the work of the Holy Spirit upon you. You've known his touch and his power and you've known him personally. Um, But that was yesterday's manner. And God wants us to fan into flame the gift of God which is on us for the sake of the church. Because God wants to build his glorious church. He wants, to do, he wants to edify it. He wants to mature it. He wants to comfort it and console it and help it. And to be able to do that, he needs his spirit to move right through us. So I'm just going to pray this. And in our worship, 
I want us to be to have our worship as an earnest desire. <laughs> For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame that which is in you through the laying on of hands. That God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love and of Holy Spirit. It is a good deposit entrusted to us. So Father, I want to thank you uh, for the people of Gateway Church, Wrexham. And I want to ask you, Holy Spirit, right now, whether you would fan into flame the gift that many of them have received by the laying on of hands. We pray, Lord, that you would ignite fires of your Spirit in this room. Lord, we pray that you, your Spirit would burn within us afresh. Lord, we pray that it would come, as it were, like that fire. Lord, many of us have known a match or a candle, <laughs> that sort of thing, but you want to fan into flame a fire that will burn it through the church and will burn into the nations. So Lord, as we worship you, would you fan into flame an earnestness and a need and a desire to have all that we can have from our giver, God himself. So we pray, Lord Jesus, fan into flame the Spirit of God in us. In Jesus' name, amen.